Muhammad. So they issued a fatwa for uh, for Rushdie's death, and it was it was very serious. It was it was not you know some kind of just off the cuff. Yeah, we wish that guy were dead. It was you should every it is the duty of every Muslim to kill him. Uh, oh, I, I do remember hiding. that. He's a British author. He went into hiding, and uh, uh, Stevens, in some burst of idiocy, said, uh, "Yeah, I, I think he should be killed." And at, at that point, I said, "Okay, we're out of here." Um, that's cool. <laughs> God. Yeah. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember that at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now that you're, now that you're mentioning it, I do remember. That, and he's whatever happened to him, Simon Rushdie. Oh, he's still writing. He wrote. He wrote at least one other novel that I'm that I'm aware of. Um, was, who's who's the guy that did the uh, the the caricature of was it Khomeini or somebody? They put the uh, fatwa on him too, right? Um, they issued a fatwa against the uh, Danish cart- a Danish cartoonist who had had supposedly drawn an image of Muhammad. It, it's uh, it's blasphemy to to. Uh, draw an image of the prophet, and so um, there was a Danish newspaper that were cartoonist, I think. I think, and then Charlie Hedbo, the British uh, or the uh, French satirical uh, journal, published similar pa- uh, papers or uh, similar drawings, and of course they were their offices were blown up, and they were uh, they, a bunch of their people were murdered in an attack in Paris on their on their offices by uh, uh, people who, who you know said, "Listen, Islam is the religion of peace, and we're going to murder you until you know if you if you don't agree." Yeah, the uh, um, yeah, I remember the caricature. Was it was it of Khomeini or was it or was it of Allah? It was oh, no, it was it was of uh, it was of Muhammad. Oh, all right, not oh. not not Allah. It was of Muhammad. All I, right, you are. It is considered within conservative Islam. It is considered uh, blasphemous to, uh, to to make an image of the prophet. Ah, I was. Uh, did you ever see that? Read that book, uh, Catastrophe. Um, pretty pretty eerie. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think so. It's by a British author. They had a big special on it, uh, uh, and, and the History Channel or one of those things. Uh, Anyway, long story short, well, long story short, don't tell it. Uh, the uh, this this guy, <laughs> he just was, a, I think he was a, a tree dude. You know, he, he did the history of trees or something. And evidently, over in, in Britain and some of the countryside areas, they have a huge slice of, 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 of a cross of an old tree is is a massive, and you put it on a, on legs. That's a massive centerpiece. You know, like a, I'll use the term coffee table, and. Uh, and you know when you have these, the tree rings are all visible, even though you you can you know you stain them and var- I don't know if you stain them, but you varnish them, and and that becomes your, it's natural wood obviously and the whole bit. And I guess you know I don't know. I guess some people think they're pretty nice. Probably would be kind of cool. And some of them are like really oh, big. Oh, I I did I did read. I don't think I read the book. I think I read a synopsis. Yeah, and uh, bottom line is the guy's looking at it, and of course then he gets he's interested. He gets some magnifying glass out, and there's about a twelve or fifteen year period. Where the rings are really narrow, like in the middle of the tree. So he counts back and sort of figures out what what era that was. It was like in the 400s sometime. And um, he ends up uh, doing all kinds of research on that era. And every every place he could find 
anywhere in the world that had any sort of a written language, there was a massive upheaval of things that basically happened worldwide. And he, tr- and he, he traced it to a massive, I don't know how many, it was a decade and a half maybe, of uh, cooling, serious cooling in the world, where uh, the people in, in, in the steppes of Russia were the, the people that owned horses always basically kicked ass and the people that had cattle and all of a sudden they were losing because cattle can handle cold born horse. Some story. But it was, uh, uh, it also caused sort of like the, well, this came out of the lab in Wuhan, but sort of like a COVID thing where he went, one chapter was all about different species of rats in, in Africa where it was colder. Everybody you know, these caves down there where all these nasty diseases are. Well, that's where the plague was, and, and never got mm-hmm. out of there. So all of a sudden, because it was so cold, one rat made it, you know, <laughs> twenty miles further into some other rat's hood, and so forth. Anyway, it made it all the way all the way to the coast, uh, Somalia, where the where the ships went from there, essentially to Rome. So the rats hopped on the uh, now to now have bubonic plague, hop on the on the ships that they never got there before because they always stayed at home, for lack of a better term. And went, and, that, and that's how the plague got to Europe from this coal spell. And years and years later, the, the, the British uh, put some money, and they, they they like what this guy said. And they found out there was some some massive, I don't know, something in Indonesia place was a yeah, around Tambora, the the big the big volcanic eruption. Yeah, it lasted for forever. It was underwater, and it just kept water kept pouring in, and steam and stuff kept pouring out, but. It was like, but in that period of time, it's really fascinating because they used to, to all the castles and stuff used to be like in, inland. All of a sudden, now they're being built on the coast because people were fishing. That, fishing became your primary. You couldn't grow anything because it was so cold. Anyway, it was a pretty interesting. But it one of the one of the points in there was Muhammad's father evidently had all kinds of money, and when this ha- happened in their area. The old man was giving out grain to everybody and basically <clears throat> made everybody listen to the kid. And uh, the kid's story was Rome was still pretty big at the time, and now this this really weakened them. They were weakening anyway. So he came up with this religion that essentially is we're not only going to have this new religion, but we're going to we're going to force feed it to people. And Rome was weak, and he got some people together, and all of a sudden they start knocking off the Roman places and wherever it was, North Africa or someplace or over in the Middle East, and that's essentially how it all got started, according to this guy. <clears throat> Which probably isn't too far from the truth. Now, how, how much the weather played a you know part of that, you know, I don't know. But some, at least. There's Islam, whole... um, <clears throat> I believe, I believe Muhammad's major push and the, the organization of his, of his religious beliefs came around 630, if I'm remembering correctly. And so the eruption, I believe, was about thirty years prior to that, and and that yeah. or, or it started the the ball rolling. But but the history of Islam is is fascinating, and and you know there are one of the one of the every every major religion has has problems with interpretations, but um, you know Islam has has a holy a holy book, the the Quran, but then it has these thousands of, of sayings that are some of which are attributed to Muhammad, some of which are are 
attributed to people who were inspired by him. They're called Hadith, and they're some of them. And because there was, you know, writing was was still not a huge thing in that culture. You know, <clears throat> some of them were inscribed on hide. Some of them were inscribed on bone. The reliability of them is is subject to subject to question and and interpretation. And so you you end up with various sects. In addition to the the schism that occurred when Muhammad when Muhammad finally died, you you look at these hadith as and, and they provide an infinite mech, uh, uh, or a series of infinite interpretations or variables that that affect the religion uh, today. Well, so, so I mean, you uh, can if you if you're if you want to go massacre people and make them Islam, you can find justification in there. You can find justification for a lot of stuff in the Bible, for God's sake. Well, well correct, and and uh, you know the, the the difference is that the the Bible <clears throat> the Bible had a sort of a canonical uh, um, interpretation that that was was put in about around the, what was it three thirty with the Nicene yeah. Nicene Council where they they established the Old Testament and the New Testament formally for Christianity, and uh, and, and then said okay we're we're letting this in we're keeping this out. And and so there was a there was a formal canon that was adopted, and then and then people went to work interpreting or misinterpreting it from there. Uh, in Islam, as I understand it, and I'm certain I'm just reaching way back into a couple of courses. Uh, as I understand it, there's never you know the hadith have never been formally. Well, you're sure not going to get the Sunnis and the other guys together to agree on anything. Well, no, not not uh, not now, not under not under these circumstances. Um, and of course, you know, our friends across the pond this morning. I was just going to ask you what's going on over there. In literature. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Boris Johnson's, Boris Johnson's going to resign. Um, I, I had such high hopes for him when Brexit was, was voted in and they, they engineered one of the greatest defeats for, for a, the Labor Party, which, which frankly had, had gone almost completely off the rails, um, in terms of its political ideology. Uh, that the conservatives had, had put together a, a, a very effective group of people to, to run across the country. They, they clobbered the, the Labor Party in their elections in, what was it, 2019, 2020? 2020, I guess. Or, no, 2019. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Johnson comes in, and he's a very literate, very smart, uh, sort of natural politician. And um, they they... I think I think COVID just you know paralyzed him. It paralyzed his government. The Brits the Brits went um, very authoritarian in in their response uh, and and to the disease. And and I think he he basically squandered the goodwill that he had he had generated over the over the course of Brexit. He's a he's a vastly entertaining uh, person to 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 watch and to listen to. But you know he he had a series of personal scandals that that made the British people I think <clears throat> much less tolerant of the fact that he he really hadn't accomplished very much in his in his time as prime minister. You know the the party gate, which was the discovery that he had participated when, when the entire city of London was on solid lockdown, and they they remember they they were much more authoritarian. Oh yeah, as a you, 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 you could do out to what to uh, walk your dog was the only thing 
<clears throat> if you yeah. weren't going out to walk yeah. your dog or go to the store, they pretty much were arresting you, right? They, it was it was very strict, a very strict enforcement. He actually paid a fine uh, to to the city of uh, the city of London because his staff held a, a drinking party. They had a cocktail party, and he attended like an idiot. And uh, and nobody, you know, there was it, it was it was very much a very much a Gavin Newsom kind of. Well, thing. if I'd held one of those parties, with the governor of California. If I'd held one of those parties, Webby would have been there. Of course. <laughs> Hey, Luke, could you well, take a few minutes, since I think out of the three of us, you are the most educated in this area. There are n- not a whole hell of a lot of difference, I guess, in the, in the end in the end game, but there's a real difference between the, the British system of government and ours in terms of regime change. This guy, 50 members of his parliament have resigned, of his party have resigned within 48 hours. Now, what happens there? I mean, can you imagine 50 of our... I won't say anything bad of our people resigning. They would you couldn't get them out of there with a crowbar. Well, right, because because a resignation a resignation in in, in their system is an effective form of protest. The, the the leadership what's happening is the leadership of the party is changing, but but the government you know the government's not falling. They're not going to they're not going to force elections. They're they're just going to the party's just going to select a new leader. Everybody stays in power. And so, and so, you can resign your position in protest with full knowledge that you can get another job back in the in the party uh, once the new leadership comes in. But this okay, is, but this no, is their way of signaling no confidence in their in their prime minister. No, no, the, the party is in power. They have, they have the majority, right? Right. The number of and, and and that is determined by the members of parliament. How many of their people are elected to the members of parliament? Okay, so. Fifty of them say I'm out, but now they got to elect a new leader in Parliament. Do they still have the majority, or those people can't vote, or what happens to them? Is there a new election someday, and they can never come back in, or what does that even mean? Well, my understanding is they have not resigned from their elected positions; they've just resigned from their positions in the government. Well, they resigned from his government. What they said, right? Right. So, so they've resigned from their positions, their positions with the government, but they still remain members of Parliament. So he resigned so as a party, supporter of him, essentially. Yeah, the party the party retains the party retains its power, and 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 the the, the scandal, by the way, that that blew this blew this whole thing up in typically British style is a sex scandal. They had a guy that he had appointed uh, to some ministerial post, who I think at the end of June. I mean, it, it, there were there were a number of. Of things that were creating problems for for Johnson with within his own party in terms of their confidence in him, but it turns out that this guy guy got got drunk and groped a bunch of a couple of men at some club and made an ass out of himself generally, and and it turns out that John that, that there were a bunch of other things that had that had surfaced in this guy's past that should have been a warning sign that he was kind of a you know. Perverse predator, loser, and 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 uh, Johnson Johnson first said, "Well, I didn't know about him," but then it turns out that he he had heard about him, and and so you know, and this came this by the way came on came on top of his his admission that uh, he had he had met with you know some counterpart in the Soviet or in the Russian FSB without without notifying by himself without notifying uh, without notifying security or. Without anybody in the government knowing about it, 
I mean, just a, some reckless personal conduct that, it, as I said, undermined undermined the confidence people had in him, and at the same time, you know, amplified the fact that they really hadn't gotten very much done. Well, you know, I when he, when he first came in, and you shouldn't judge people by their looks or anything like that, but when I first saw him, <clears throat> I, I realized that he was a pretty smart guy, but he immediately impressed me as a you know, a bull in a china shop guy, not unlike Trump in some ways. You know, there, there's my well, rules and your rules. Brits, of course, the Brits compared him to Trump, but but I. No, I'm not I, saying totally. I'm just, but I'm saying that the point is, there's my rules and your rules, that kind of thing. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, Trump. I don't think Trump ever had that problem. Um, I, in fact, that would have been. I think that would have been something Trump would have would have objected to. That that was more of a Gavin Newsom thing. You know, the governor yeah. of California who who forbids his people from traveling on state business and paying paying money to or to uh, go to a, a list of states that he determines are um, you know unfriendly to. No, I'm, I'm talking about the, per, the personal stuff with the, <clears throat> the paying off of the hookers and all the other stuff. I mean, was, oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, Trump Trump's standard of conduct was. I, I think Trump would have said, "Yeah, if you want to, if you want to go party like that, go ahead. I, not, no problem for me." But, but I, I think Johnson's Johnson's party in, in, under lockdown was taken very seriously by the British public. But um, Lou, Lou, we got a few minutes for a break. What, explain. I mean, I I could do it, but I think you can do it better. There's a big difference in, and I use the term regime change, than it is there and here. Right, because because this is not the vote of a, this is not the result of a referendum by the public. But this but even is, if it, even if it, an intra party fight. But even if it was, you still don't have the everybody in cabinet resigns, every undersecretary resigns, and here we're like fifteen hundred people resign over there. Don't like five or ten or something. Well, it, it it's a question of it's a question of who the new prime minister, who the new head of the party wants to keep in power. But Johnson will step down. The party will name a new will name a new. There'll be a vote. They'll 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 name a new prime minister. He will he or she will will come into play, and and then the government will continue to motor on. They'll they'll put you know similar people in in whoever that that new prime minister wants in in certain positions, and and the government will continue until there's a popular vote on. Uh, you know, across the country right. on, on the new uh, members of parliament. Or what I'm saying is, when they, if you change a party and a government here, every, which could happen every four years, and just did, we replace zillions of people. They don't over there. The governmental government officials are much more of a professional group that kind of outlast politician to politician, don't they? Yes, I'm sorry. I was I was confused as to where you were going with this. Yeah, there. As I understand it, there they don't they don't. Flush out their entire civil, the entire top end of their civil service section. I mean, if you uh, give the, a, the much longer term, I mean, you could get the which head is, of which a. Which is good and bad. It's good and bad, but I mean, you you could get the head, for instance, of a Department of Energy, and I don't even know who that person is, or Veterans Affairs, or Transportation. You know, I'll take a shot at Pete Buttigieg. You could get somebody there that actually is a professional in that job that you would never think of removing just because somebody else came into power. In their system, here you would never even think of that. You just you put whoever you need to reward into a job, whether they know anything about it or not, right? 
Well, they have to be confirmed, but but yes, that's basically. I would say that's not unfair. Well, I mean, but the job, the jobs, the jobs. These jobs are political political positions. There are certain there are a number of positions within the government that are not political positions that you have to. If you're going to remove somebody, you have to follow the tenets of the Civil Service Reform Act. But but a significant number of jobs are political appointment positions. But, I mean, you could and, get and those those all change. But if if Maddie won the president. He can appoint you as the as the as the head of transportation. And you've never ridden a train in your life. That, right. That's correct. I have to be. I have to be approved by Congress. But yes. right. Well, Con- Congress doesn't. You know, it's not like you got to have any talent to get in Congress. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm just I'm just saying that. The, I mean, there is there is some check on that, and, and and it's a form of a Senate confirmation process. And we've seen, for example, uh, a, a number of Biden appointees who have been kicked. Even though they technically have a majority in the in the Senate, well, it's like being an amb- an ambassador. I mean, you know, right? Exactly. That's that's a perfectly competent or a perfectly good example. But I mean, I'm thinking of the head of the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms uh, nominee who was who was rejected. Uh, what about six six or seven months ago? But if you were uh, if you were because he was a an, an idiot. But if you were a foreign country or person who wanted to do damage to the U.S. We've sort of seen this happen now, going back to the you know, Cuba thing. Um, you would want to do do your dastardly deed in the first four months of a new president's spot, because you know he's short people. I don't think that happens over in, in Britain. There. I'm not saying it's better. I, mean, I don't think that happens under the British style. I would think if you were a foreign government wanting to do damage to the United States with a with us in a strategic sense, you would make your move after the elect after the presidential election, but before the inauguration of the new president, and okay. confront and confront the lame duck president and his his entire government, most of whom would be busy getting out of dodge. You would have, want to confront them with some kind of significant. Okay, but, but, but somewhere during that period of this massive changeover. Yes. And if it's every eight years, I guess it's okay. If it's every four years, I, I you know, I, I can't imagine, Lou, going forward, that, that we're going to change parties now every four years. And the first thing, the first day, there's going to be a stack of executive orders, new ones and getting rid of the old ones. And, oh, by the way, all these new people yet again. I don't, boy, oh, boy, I... I that's that's not anything that I would want to see happen, but it looks no, like that's, that's where we're headed. But, but that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what happened. The first thing Biden did when he was in office, the first day, he canceled the XL pipeline. He he did a bunch of other took a bunch of other steps that that uh, as you and I have talked about many times are are simply indicative of the fact that we have a federal you know our federal regulatory system has has. A sprawl that I don't think most people recognize, and it, it results in this kind of, again, authoritarian uh, potential for 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 real problems. And and I mean that's what that's what this last Supreme Court case was about: EPA versus West Virginia. Well, Lou, if you're not in a not in a regulated industry like me, uh, and I, you know, I'll, I'll lob a, a, an example out there. Uh, Mr. Weber, our, 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 our beloved producer and good friend, and for years and years, Maddie listens t- to me all the time, basically rag about the, uh, you know, the uh, our industry and the, and the incredible overreach 
and how people 25 years old are sitting around thinking up stuff for other people to do that have never been in the industry. And I'm sure that if you're in the banking industry, it's the same thing. And yet, Maddie, when you went to your closing for your place, when it actually hit you, you were pretty stunned. What the hell are all these rules, right? Ton of rules, yeah. And but, but unless you, even though you you hear me say it, and I'm, I don't think you disbelieve me, uh, unless it actually happens to you, it doesn't really hit home, does it? Of course not. That's yeah. if anything, yeah. So I mean, it, I mean, the idea that you can't bring a hundred bucks in case somebody adds up something wrong, you can't give somebody. Oh, here you were off fifty three bucks. Here it is. The idea that you have to wire that. No, they typically they typically just have you uh, as part of the the wire. Add four or five hundred bucks, and then they'll settle up afterward. Right. One of our listeners that's just the, sent me the a, way they do it now. Yeah, one of our listeners said one of his friends was at a, a closing, and he, the guy brought a certified check up to a certain amount and a whole bit, and they said, "No, you can't do any of that stuff." And they so they made him wire like eight hundred bucks. Well, the wire got lost for like three days. <laughs> you oh know, God! You know what are we you know, what are we doing here? Hey, SP futures up eight, and if he's up thirty seven. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tomorrow. I'm Mr. Weber on the board. SP Futures up 10. NASDAQ Futures up 46. We've got a few days in a row. Even though we've been down during the day, a couple of these days, we come flying right back up and the markets are very, very thin this week. I, I watch, was watching yesterday, I mean, I watch all day. The S&Ps were up 6 and in one tick they were up 12. So I don't know how, these are D-minis. I don't think it took that many to move at 6 bucks, but 
that that's crazy. That's what we've been seeing. Uh, Dow futures up 76 over in Europe. Dex up 175, 1.4%. FTSE up 70.9. By the way, Boris Johnson just did resign. Uh, Kakaron up 76, 1.3. So, but a big week over in Europe. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 382. That's 1.5%. Shanghai up 9.3%. Hang Seng barely coming back, 56 points, uh, 0.26%. Even though they, you know they've been down pretty much the last few days. They can't. They can't. They're probably the the worst market in the world the last year and a half. Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 69, S&P was up 13, NASDAQ was up 39. Uh, bonds, only up three basis points, 2.94, uh, still way below that four. The, the, the story now is that inflation is over, uh, the Fed's going to back off, look for a cut. I don't know where these guys are coming up with this, but that that's the party line that the Fed's back in to put money in the system. That's what everybody wants to see. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Bund up seven basis points, 1.28, Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil. Uh, down 79 cents, back under 199.32, run up 82 cents, 101.51. Natural gas up a dime, but still under six bucks, 561. Arbob up two cents, 326. So when you're paying 570, that's the that's the biggest spread I've ever seen. I mean, with 326, we should be paying 410 or something, maybe even 405 or four bucks. Uh, gold up 560, 17.42. But it's down so low, it's starting to look like up today, up 560. So we're up 15 cents, 19.31. Copper up 12 cents, 3.52. And the one everybody's watching is the crypto. Bitcoin is up uh, 81 bucks at 20,422. So it's hanging right there in the low 20,000s. It doesn't seem to want to drop. But some other places are just going down. Other places declared bankruptcy yesterday. So that whole area is in bad, bad shape. But we'll see if they survive. Maybe we have for us Trevi Weather Sports. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We had an earlier crash already this morning on the Eisenhower inbound side just before First Avenue, which is exit 20. That crash has just been cleared, but there's some resulting congestion on the inbound side of 290, so keep that in mind if you're heading in from the western suburbs. Speaking of the western suburbs, there's a crash just northwest of there on Route 53 eastbound side before... uh, uh, Beasterfield Road, it says. Uh, that crash is blocking the left lane, and that's a pretty busy uh, road, Route 53 there, so that's causing some congestion on that north-south road. No issues on the Edens or Kennedy. Uh, traffic building on the Stevenson, but no accidents to report. Southside expressways have been quiet all morning, as is Lakeshore Drive. Weather today, uh, clouds early, and then we'll see some sunshine and warm temperatures, a high of 80 so actually a pretty nice uh, July day today. Right now it is mostly cloudy and 73 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 107 today. Right now it's clear and 81. In sports, the White Sox uh, belted a, a whole bunch of home runs, including three uh, go-ahead home runs at the time they were hit, and ended up beating the Twins 9-8 in 10 innings. It was a huge win for the Sox. Otherwise, uh, they really would have uh, fallen behind Minnesota. Sox are now three back in the loss column, five and a half back overall uh, behind first place Minnesota. The Cubs uh, don't look now, but they've won four straight series against pretty good competition. They went up to Milwaukee and took two of three from the first place Brewers, winning yesterday two to one um, to uh, take that series. Now they'll play the Dodgers in L.A., so that doesn't get any easier. Lastly, the Diamondbacks lost to the Giants seven to five. Chief. I, mean, I don't know what uh, the future will hold for uh, the manager, but those kids are absolutely playing fearless on the, on the Cubs. I agree. They're uh, The last uh, two weeks or so, they've been really fun to watch. They've gotten a little healthier, and they're letting the young guys play. 
Um, and uh, they're, they're they're playing hard, and they're and the games they've lost have all been close games that they could have won. I mean, they're 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 a couple of bad bounces away from from winning like ten in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, extra innings lost to Boston, extra innings lost to Milwaukee. They could have won both those games. A, a, a tough loss to St. Louis, they could have won, and 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 yet they're still winning those series. And it doesn't get any easier. Like I said, they go to, to L.A. They hit, play the Dodgers. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, I wouldn't expect them to win that series, but, uh, they're playing good ball right now. Uh, Lou had a, uh, the opportunity last night and the pleasure really of being somewhere, uh, library or someplace, uh, where they had the Marlin Angel game and I actually got to watch, uh, Otani pitch for the first time ever. He's, he's something. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Boy, that, the, the ball all moves, everything, 182, 186, 191, never the same speed, never the same location. Uh, very, very Greg Maddox-like in, 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 in his approach to the game. You know, not, you well, know. he and he and he swings a bat too, yeah, which is is remark remarkable. I wanted to just touch base on just sports stuff. Uh, the the uh, the Baker Mayfield trade from the Browns to the Panthers um, is it, it's basically a routine trade in the sense that it's just one team getting rid of a high priced guy for uh, you know for, for a relatively low draft pick but it, it it really is noteworthy I mean he was the number one the number one pick and and I I don't I don't know what you know what happened in Cleveland I I, I always I always look at situations like this where there's supposedly a quarterback coming in who's going to be the savior especially a rookie quarterback and and you know tell myself this this has got to be a project you can't you, you know, one one position change on a team, especially as bad as Cleveland had been for so long, is not is not going to make a difference. Um, and and it, it didn't it didn't make that much of a difference. I think he's very talented. I think he's got plenty of ability. And I think if they put a cast around him that can support him in Carolina, then then you know he may he may flourish there. But uh, I, I thought it was I. I you know, it had some implications uh, here in Denver because uh, or at, because the team that from who Denver got their quarterback, Seattle, uh, was supposed to be in the running for this kid and for Mayfield, and uh, you know now that yeah they're they're looking at they're looking at some real issues on starting quarterback there, and a couple of other teams that that you know lost out are going to have to go back to the drawing board, and then of course you've got you know the Browns, who have a guy who nobody knows how how long he's going to be he's going to be out, and and under under what circumstances. Um, his the disciplinary hearing for Watson was last week, and I don't. I mean, all the sports writers, most of whom are, you know, fully enmeshed in in the idea that. The NFL needs to punish people for off the field conduct, um, especially this kind of off the field conduct. Uh, you know, I think this ought to be a, at least a, a year suspension, you know, and, and tar and feather him and, and, you know, run out of town on the rail. But, uh, you know, it, it's quite possible that he could be gone for less than, you know, less than half a season, especially if the Players Association, uh, is argument, you know, wins the day. And I, I, I don't, I don't know if I was the judge who, or the arbitrator who was listening to the case, if I would, uh, if I would 
find it convincing. The, the PA argued that you know the NFL can't suspend Watson for more than half a season because the NFL's sanctions against owners uh, have, have for who've engaged in you know sexual harassment uh, and misconduct have have not have not been anywhere near as, as severe as the NFL sanctions for players. I, I mean, if I'm the arbitrator, that's apples and oranges, and I, I look at that completely differently than I do the the uh, the conduct by a by a current player. But that was their argument, allegedly, and and we'll see if the arbitrator pulls it in uh, and and buys it. Goodell is the final appellate authority. Interestingly enough, yeah, yeah, it's a uh... so. That 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 situation seems to finally be resolving in in Cleveland, and I I thought that was an interesting move. The Browns apparently Mayfield's due eighteen million. Uh, the Browns are paying ten. Yeah, I saw last night. The Pan the Panthers are playing paying five, and Mayfield in a what I think is a pretty smart move. I'm sure his agent spent some time with him talking to him about it. Uh, is going to forego three million three point three million on the contract. And just eat it. Uh, he has a chance to earn it in in incentives, but but you know that that's a, I think that's a smart move by him. I'm gonna I'm no no pro scout, but I will. It doesn't mean I can't have an opinion because I have opinions on everything. I guess unfortunately, no. That's the whole point of sports. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> people I'm don't gonna, know anything. Have opinions. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that Baker Mayfield, um, from what when Lou, I'm, I'm talking to the choir here because you know more about this than me. I'm going to say. If you're going to be a quarterback in the NFL and you're less than maybe 6'2", you want to be 6'3", 6'4", you have to be an exceptional athlete. It's like playing guard in the NBA. You can do it at 5'10", but you better be something. You better be Allen Iverson. You're not, you're not going to be me. You know, I mean, I mean, I, and the reason why I say this is from somewhat personal experience. When I was a freshman at Notre Dame, Joe Theismann was a senior, and I love to play basketball. And I'm going to say that Joe was six foot, maybe. I don't know, maybe six foot and a half, whatever. But he had a build on him. And to this day, I don't think I've ever played anybody in a basketball court, and, and including people that turned out being all, all Americans, had as quick a feat as that guy. He was an, a spectacular athlete. And I, I don't know that I mean, the, the Bears have gone through the Rex Grossum, the Caden McDowns, the Mike Tomzaks. They're all great quarterbacks. They're all great athletes. So he wouldn't be in that spot. But you have to be extra special to be able to throw over all those people that are taller than you. And Joe Theismann and a few other guys, a few other guys, the guy from uh, Seattle for sure. Russell Wilson yeah. has has successfully done it. Drew yeah. Brees. Yeah. Yes. But Wilson, those guys. Wilson, right. You watch those Franz guys. Franz Harkinton I don't think was very tall. Uh, but but Francis, you look, Francis was 5'10". Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying you look at those guys and there's a guy in front but of them. But they're the exception. I mean, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying there's a guy in front of them and before you can even take a breath, they're two feet over. They, they they just magically move their feet to where they're in the lane where they can throw. I'm saying that that is a talent that one in a million people have. I I just I think. I yeah, mean, I agree. Well, it, it it it's a combination. It's a combination of of athleticism and and intelligence. Yeah, because because you've got to have and it's it's not necessarily um, you know math intelligence or language intelligence. It's spatial intelligence. You have to know and, and, and understand the spatial uh, orientation of everybody out on that football field in your passing lanes and, and your 
your your defenses. You have to be able to comprehend that, and and it's it's a rare combination, and it it frankly is is except in the uh, most you know individual cases, it it's something you have to acquire over a period of years, uh, or, or you know seasons. The speed of the game. I mean, for for guys coming in from college, the the biggest change is the speed of of pro football. It is my 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 father's comments were something to the effect of it is it is qualitatively a different game. It's not just that it's bigger and faster. That speed changes the nature of of what you're able to do and and what you can exploit. And and it takes a special person to be able to understand. I that. think you have to it have a total sense. And you know, you know, your dad would know this, but you have to have a special sense of every one of your linemen in which way they like to push people and where that lane's going to be. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I my my personal opinion is that the offensive line play, especially, is a ballet. It, it's a ballet with three hundred pound people, and it it is a ballet with other dancers trying to interfere with your ability to make your moves but but it is it is very much a ballet and you have to you have uh, I, I think i think the rule changes and the practice changes under the cba that came in in 2011 have fundamentally altered the nature of that of that game or that kind of play because you can't hit and that that really is the secret to, to getting the ballet down and the, the dancing moves down properly you can't hit at full speed anymore, nearly as much as you used to be able, as you used to. Lou, if, if you and have that, a quarterback, that's essential to getting your that that dance coordinated. Um, well, if you if you have if you know your quarterback is uh, you know he's not six five where you'd like him, does the offensive line kind of plan to leave a couple of? I mean, you can't just go back as a big wall. Do they plan to leave some lanes for the guy, or do they there's nothing they can do about it? Um. Well, yeah, plan to leave lanes. It's it's well, almost a impossible. Yeah, I'm saying that's to, a pretty impossible. Yeah. Something, something like that with the defense doing what it, what it's doing, but but it is what what you do in a situation like that is you you plan to get the quarterback either rolling out or or moving out of position so he's not surrounded by gigantic you know people who are blocking his 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 lanes. And you you make the lane if you if you've got a guy who's smart enough to know where everybody is supposed to be, uh, the the quarterback himself is responsible for moving into a position where he's got got a clear view and moving in the pocket to, to to see where he's got a clear view. You can clear certain people out of the way by using double teams or or other kinds of blocking techniques that will move somebody to to another position. But you know you do you only get to do that. You only get to do stuff like that two or three times, and, and then and then uh, you know the coaches pick up on the other side, pick up what you're doing, and they say, "Fine, we'll we'll fill that space with a with a linebacker. Okay. We'll fill that space with a with a twist or a stunt that'll that'll you know make sure that that space is in there." Those those kinds of those kinds of tendencies get picked up pretty quickly. A funny um, note, uh, real quick, before you change the subject on uh, Carolina. They now have the number one pick overall from the 2018 draft and the number three pick overall from the 2018 draft, both quarterbacks. They have, they have uh, Darnold. 
Sam Baker and Sam Darnold. And if four years ago, if you would have told them you're going to have two of the top three picks, both quarterbacks, I don't think they would understand what the hell's going on. But that's where they're at. I don't oh. want to ask you. They might have. They might have. They might have said unless they're ours. <laughs> right. They might have said, "Yeah, we're not. We're not going to be in a great spot because that means those guys both busted." Yep. Maddie, is this going to be known as the Chicago conundrum? It seems like when when Cleveland has a horse bleep team. They end up with a whole bunch of draft picks or anybody else. This is this is now the second Chicago team in a row this year that was absolutely horse bleep last year. The Bears and the Hawks, and neither one of them have a number one pick. How, how do you how do you pull that off? Be that lousy? That, that was the the worst part of the last regime. Was uh, not only were they bad for the most part outside of you know the first year when they went, went twelve and four. They traded a lot of their draft capital for older guys, thinking they were ready to win a Super Bowl. You only do that when you're ready to win a Super Bowl, like the Rams did last year. Otherwise, I mean, it's just not the the way to build a program, and never has been and never will be. And that goes for all sports. So, yeah, they really set themselves back. Um, and then just think, if the Browns uh, didn't take Baker Mayfield and instead took, let's say, Josh Allen, who went number seven in that draft, yeah. uh, they'd be looking a, a lot differently as well. Well, what about the Hawks? How do they, how do they have nobody, no, no pick? I don't know anything about hockey. Oh, all right. Well, they're the same, sort of the same deal. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's the old line, you know, if you're going to be, the, the school of thoughts is if you're going to be bad, be really bad so that you can you can at least get into a, Position to improve yourself with. Oh, so Louis, uh, I'm going to bore you for one second. And Maddie and I were debating on the way in the Otani rule. So I looked it up. I'm looking at it right now. It's interesting. Yeah. So it looks like they did implement a rule, which they are calling the Otani rule. Which somehow this flew under the radar to me, and it must be because it's an American League thing, and I don't follow the American League as closely. But uh, it, but I guess it, now it applies to everyone because yeah. National League has the DH as well. But uh, it allows pitchers to hit in the order. However, they're given a separate designation as a DH. This means in the Angels superstars case, once he's pulled from the game, he can continue batting under the DH designation. It's a f- effectively a second position on the scorecard. Actually, it's it's more than that. That's the that's the definition from uh, from the rule book that I'm reading. A team can list is a player. Only, is that only for? It's only for pitchers, though, right? No. Yeah. Yes. It's yes. only for pitchers. Yes. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. I. I find that. I find that really interesting. It. It. It obviously is tailored to this one player. I wonder if it will. If it will spur the development of better hitting pitchers. Well, it goes, works both ways. I don't know if you mentioned that, Matty. A team can list a player as the pitcher and designated hitter on the day he starts, then remove him in one role but not the other. Right. And so in theory, you could pinch hit for him, and, and he could still continue to pitch. Is that that doesn't give you where does that it say that you two th? Well, you, you, where you, does it say that you could pinch hit for him? And he can, well, once he, you come out of the game, you're out of the game. Okay, but it, right. So how? So what does this mean then? then He's remo- not coming out of the game. They remove him in one role, but not the other. So he can stay in as a DH. So he can. So if, if he's a DH slash pitcher. And they decide after seven innings, let's say he starts at DH after seven innings, they want him to relief pitch. I think he can do that. I don't think he can do anything else. Oh, okay. And then yeah. vice versa. If he's a starting pitcher All right, okay. for seven innings, I he, get can, it. Yeah, I he can I get it. pitch, you. but that's it. Yeah. All right. Hey. That's, a, that's, a, you know, that, that's a recognition of a, of a superior talent. Um, I, I, the, the, I'll give you a, a something comparable, though it was, it was aimed at a team and not at a player. So when my father began playing in the Canadian Football League, um, 
CFL is different in a lot of ways, but one of the ways it's different is you are allowed to put people in motion toward the line of scrimmage before the snap of the football. And and it, there was apparently very little restriction on that in the 50s when my father started playing in the CFL. He played a couple of seasons up there before his knee finally gave up. But he and Bud Grant uh, developed a system where they would put like half of the team, they'd line them up two or three yards off the ball, and then they'd have the whole group just run at the, <laughs> run at the football before the ball was snapped. And as the ball was snapped, all these guys would cross the line of scrimmage. And of course, it gave it gave them a tremendous advantage in terms of of being able to knock people off the ball and you know drive people off you know whatever the defense the defense would just have to sit there and watch these guys come running at them and not be able to move until the football was snapped. And and the CFL you know that went on for apparently a season. And the CFL came in the next year and said, okay, it's only the wide receivers that you're allowed you're allowed to put in motion. Toward the ball because because it's it's chaos out there without uh, I think without in a, that, that limitation. I think in the big time touch leagues you can have a guy moving forward too. I I wanted to um, I wanted to briefly address the the terrible event on Monday in Highland Park for a uh, couple of reasons. Number one, I know Highland Park pretty well. I I my ex wife worked up there and I I used to travel up there pretty frequently. Number two. I I absolutely cannot believe that the Illinois State Police issued this kid a firearms owners a firearm owners identification card, which I had when I when I lived there. Issued that kid a card with a record in their system that they that they apparently reviewed, saying that they had, they had confiscated Highland Park Police had confiscated sixteen knives and two swords. Because the kid had threatened to kill his family and kill everybody else around him, back back a couple of years prior, that record's in the system, and they issued that kid a Floyd card. I can't believe it. Um, Kevin brought up something similar. Yes, I, I have a very specific <clears throat> question for you, legal wise. In fact, we were talking about it last night <clears throat> that we seem to not have any, with all these rules or alleged rules, there's there's no common sense in the system and. Well, that, and that's, that's one of the things, I mean, if you're, if you're an anti-gun control person, this is what you point to. And this is not, the, I mean, Chief, this happens over and over again. I think that this is not the first time something like this has happened. Well, and, that's and Kevin, that was the Kevin's idea point. is that we put all these rules, the more rules you put in place, it seems the less likely you are to, to enforce Standard that everybody said was supposed to be the standard when you put the rule in place. Well, every, when Kevin has researched the last, I don't know, eight or nine of these people, and there's a lot of them, he's, virtually every one was, quote, known to the police. Well, man, and that's, this is a little bit different, though, because Illinois has one of the strictest gun control regimes in the country with its FOID system, with its, its ID system. This is supposed to be to do exactly deal exactly with this kind of a situation. A, a person who within a recent history has engaged in threatening conduct to the extent that the police had to get involved, I mean, he wasn't arrested. So what? Well, it's the same. It, that's it, what he's talking about. My question to you is, well, I've got a lot of questions for you. That's why I love having you in. But my question to you is, let's, let's take the Texas one, because that seemed 
Yeah, Uvalde. Uh-huh. Yeah, so the kid walks in, I believe, on his 18th birthday, and he buys whatever <laughs> guns and you know 90 bazillion rounds. What would ha- I mean if, if we the, still haven't figured out? We still haven't figured out how that purchase was possible. By the way, okay, but I'm saying if you and I had any, I think we do have some common sense. Or my first instinct would be, you know, I don't, you know, the gun things. I don't, you know, people want to have them. That's fine. But I, my first instinct would be. I, I got to call my buddy Webby, who's the local sheriff, and say, "Who the hell is this kid?" I have to. I have to do that. Now, now does that put me at risk of not him shooting me, but putting me at risk of? I mean, can I do that? I mean, there, I mean it's there's something an odd sort of thing there. I mean, it's like, it's you know, it's sort of like if somebody on his twenty first birthday buys fifty cases of beer. You gotta ask, gee, what do you, what do you need fifty cases? For? I mean, you know, what I'm saying, is, have we lost all sort of? I mean. I, I guess the people who sold this guy the guns and everything, plus he looks like some freaking weirdo out of nowhere. Not that he looks making that much. How does the guy not pick up the phone and call the local police and say, who is this guy? I mean, how well, do you not do that? Uh, uh, agreed. Agreed. There, there probably, there probably should have been, that probably should have been a trigger response as well. But the, the short answer is the, the retailer knows that there is a background check system in place that is supposed to catch whether this guy is legally entitled to have a firearm or 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 not, and and is supposed to catch if he's got a Floyd card. That's supposed to catch whether the state police have done the background check on him. I mean, most of these guys are not going to have or are not felons. This is their first major criminal you know criminal act. That these these lone gun these lone wolf kind of kind of shooters, and so your your the system you've got in place to hack to, to catch those guys is is, is typically not going to be intrusive enough to do this. Now the new the new legislation that was just passed the federal legislation that was just passed is going to allow intrusion into juvenile records, and I think that's probably smart. But but in most cases. If this kid, this kid had planned this apparently for weeks, and and you know he was just he was just head up on on doing it, you're not going to catch that guy in most of these cases. What I find unbelievable is that Illinois has a system in place designed to catch this. It did the the Highland Park Police did make the reference to the state police so that they had that in their system, and they still let him get the card. Lou, I'm going to say what I don't understand. I'm going to lab out there, and this is from people who would like to see less guns around, and I'm and I'm one of those. Uh, I don't think that even though I'll say the the, the NRA people, the, the people from the right, allow these rules to get passed from time to time, they don't believe in them, and they never enforce them. What was the guy who a couple of years ago? I remember them losing track of these people. That he had a, a huge. He was in the army and had. a had a, a huge record of uh, spousal abuse and everything in the army, and it, none of that made it to. He went and got a Floyd card outside too. So I mean, I, I don't think people they they pass these laws with, with tongue in cheek and their fingers crossed behind their back. I, I don't I don't think they. they no, I I I that's not my impression, and, and especially for the law enforcement guys who who are are quite usually in favor of restricting access to weapons. Those guys those guys don't pull back typically. I I I can't. I mean, this this is a this this case and the Uvalde case is a is a, a classic example 
if you're if you're opposed to to gun control, it's these are classic examples of why you should be carrying a weapon or why you should have the right to carry a weapon, because the systems that get the systems that get put in place simply don't work. Well, they don't because and, I don't think people want. To, I, 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 I'd love to see, I guess, that somebody 35 years old has an interview on Stacks and Jacks or someplace and said, you know, when I was 18. I really was a was one of these mass murderer kind of guys. I've been trying to get a gun for seventeen years, and I just couldn't do it. I, I, you'll never ever hear that, Lou. Well, you'll find it somewhere. There, there are there are the, the the national background check system catches people all the time who aren't supposed to have guns. Right, all the time. But they'll still get them. Well, uh, you yeah, can buy yeah. them illegally, yeah. and that's that's the other that's the other knock yeah. is that these these legal systems only work on law abiding citizens. Well, that's true. Lou, take care of yourself, buddy. Have a nice weekend. SP Futures now up 16. NASDAQ Futures up 60. It looks like we're, we're eking out a pretty good rally here in the last few days. I wonder if this is going to keep going. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now. Something happening here. Oh, and welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Tom Alvin. I'm the board. SP Futures now 15. NASDAQ Futures up 59. So we're putting a whip to it here a little bit. In the Dow, big mover at Caterpillar up 479. Got Goldman Sachs up 174. We got uh, McDonald's up 90, 94 cents. The only down one I see is Merck. Out of buck 27. That, John, how are you? I'm fine, Tom. How about you? Doing all right. I'm, I'm reading this thing here. Breaking news from the Trib. And I, both of you gentlemen, uh, better at the English language than me, uh, I don't, I don't get this at all. Highland Park Police, clear and present danger, warning, insufficient to keep alleged parade shooter from purchasing rifle, state police say. A 2019 report from Highland Park warning 
that Cremo could, that's a guy's name, I don't know, could pose a clear and present danger, did not meet standards to declare him an imminent threat, said state, Illinois State Police. What, what does that gobbledygook mean? <laughs> well, I think what you've spoken of on the show many times, and it's, you know, discretionary prosecution, does this meet the smell test? Does this set off, you know, bells and whistles? Or is this something that uh, we, we could take a wait-and-see attitude about it or just put it at the bottom of a stack of to-do stuff? It, 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 it ultimately becomes a, in the discretion of the people at the, at the crucial point here in the chain uh, to decide whether, well, this isn't clear and it's not present or both clear and present, so uh, nothing to see here. And unfortunately, that's that's when you when you write statutes, you know that that's how they read. And this, of course, leaves it open to people who interpret that in ways that you and I would not. But you know, nonetheless, they think they're abiding by the, the guidelines of the statute. Well, it sounds to me like Highland Park is happy as a clam. Well, not they're not happy that anybody got shot, obviously. They're happy as a clam that they quote did their job. They kicked it downstream, and it's the downstream guy that somehow didn't do what he's supposed to do, and then he says, no, wait a minute. Clear and present danger doesn't mean... That, that to me, should be against a FOID card. That would just be me. You would think so, yeah. I don't... Uh, I mean, what does it even mean otherwise? Your, 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 your kid is a knucklehead. Okay, what does that mean? Should we keep him after school? Should we beat him? Should we throw him out of school? Hey, he's just a knucklehead. It's up to you. Oh, okay, I... I don't know. I just we have well, a lot of stuff going on. When you on. have a situation as as we seem to here and have lots of other times too, parents who are knuckleheads too. Well, yeah, uh, that's uh, <laughs> there isn't much of a safety net, you know, for for anything that, that really was was developing here, um, given just the facts of it. But you know, again, Tom, as I've said, you know, you'd never hear about any kind of toxicology reports. I don't know if any testing was done on this kid. I don't know if medical records will ever surface, how long he's been on, whatever drugs. And I can guarantee this is the sort of kid who, from early on in elementary school, was on something. God knows what. By the way, how old is I should know, but how old is he? Like 20, 22, I think. Or oh, so he's, he's, not, he's not a juvenile. He's, he's 22. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but this will never even be inquired into. This, there won't be any kind of... Um, you know, questions asked about well, is there anything contributing to this guy's clearly deranged you know status and confusion and lack of socialization? Um, there's there's people who have you know imbalances whatever that are treatable and others that I think are mistreated or overtreated, overmedicated, and there isn't any accounting for this ever in any of these shootings. And I would bet all of these people are troubled enough that. They have seen a position at some point in their life, especially the, the youth of, of many of these shooters. Um, and it isn't accidental that you know, stuff erupts this way because in, in, in many ways these kids are not controlling themselves very well. They're certainly not being controlled by their parents, let's put it that way. But um, maybe when you get to be you know, 21, there's no control they can exercise anyway. But I, I think a lot of this stuff involves mistreatment and, and mishandling of medical conditions from early on in the system, and whatever you can prescribe to get the kid to sit still in school or not hit somebody or act out at home, it's okay with the teachers, it's okay with the parents. We'll, we'll worry about what happens down the road 
and they just keep renewing prescriptions over and over again. And I, I just, I don't think anybody really believes deep down that this is a good thing. But there's no tracking of it. There's never any, even any inquiry. There's certainly no way of, of gauging its connection to some of these outbursts. I don't. Uh, I, I, I don't normally give the opinion because I know it's it's, it's Luddite Bill. Uh, if if you're the dad, you're 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 the, you're the, you're the grayback gorilla. You're, you're the you're the it's your house. I don't care if your kid is fifty and he's living there, and you're seventy. If you don't want him a gun in there, get him the hell out. I mean, it's, I mean, it, I don't, I don't get this. How people lose control of their own places? Was he living at home? Or I don't even know if he was. Is it living in a, a like a you know connected unit or a separate unit on the, the property where the father lived ah, and okay. and the uncle and maybe some other people? The, the the mother does not live there. Ah, okay. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen this happen with you know friends of my um, my nephew who. You know, one of them, in, in, you know, had an explosive personality. He was, a, he was an ISIS guy when he was okay, but he had clearly some demons. And he assaulted both of his parents. Um, didn't didn't do it with a gun or anything, but beat up his father. The father had him arrested. This guy is now in his thirties. Yeah. In his thirties, when this happened, uh, he's been in and out of jail. The parents are absolutely terrified to have the guy around. And I've I've met. You know, I, I feel sorry for them because they're at their wits' end. They. They're perfectly nice, normal people. It seems that they can't explain why this guy has turned out this way. But you know, I just worry that you know that when you reach this kind of point of desperation, there's not much that the system can do to protect the public, let alone right. family members. So, you know. well, I know I live next, live very close to two people that went to Harvard. And this isn't a slam. Well, I guess it is. Uh, one of them was the Unabomber. He lived three blocks away. Before we moved there. The guy across the street was a quarterback. He was a mean kid, boy. When he was on one side of the street, you just crossed over. I mean, he was a tough kid. I mean, he used to want to mess with him. And uh, he, and his older brother was the nicest guy on earth. And uh, uh, matter of fact, his older brother taught me how to play basketball. I'd go up there and I'd be shooting. I didn't know how to shoot. And this guy was ten years older than me. No, no, no I don't do this way. We have the, the, the younger brother, I don't even think he talked to him. He just was a mean kid, great football player. Old man gets him into Harvard. I think he. I don't know if he went to law school until he came home. He was living at home. I don't know if he ever got a jab. One day, blows both parents away with a shotgun. It, you know. Meanwhile, the brother and sister are fine. It's just I don't know what happened there, but uh, it happens. John. I mean, it's not just this generation. I mean, it, it has happened. I mean, Remember the incident here in Chicago a couple months ago where a guy stole the ambulance, the fire department ambulance down in Chinatown, yeah. and was driving to his mother's house in St. Louis. This guy was an, an accomplished lawyer. I mean, he had, he had had a a successful past, but he was—he was, he was just—he was falling apart pretty much, you know, before everybody's eyes. Luckily, he didn't hurt anybody, but it, I, clearly, I think he was mentally ill enough where he would have hurt somebody, not even known it, and he may have regretted it. But he was not in control of himself, and the family knew it. And luckily, he was only stealing an, an ambulance and driving off it, but not this kid made him it, or anybody else. But this kid made it all the way to Madison and back before he yeah, before he had caught. Yeah. Boy, I never even dreamed of that. Like Dwight, I think he got to Dwight, Illinois. He was going down towards Bloomington Normal. <laughs> what are you and to they just kept following him. What know, when they said he was in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, this kid, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm speaking of the other. Oh, yeah, the other guy. Yeah, the, the kid, he, and he had threatened to do the same sort of things he did in Highland Park up around Madison. You know, that's, well, it sounds like he's confessed, so maybe he knows, you know, <laughs> this will streamline 
I guess, the criminal justice end of it, because there, there, there won't be a trial. Well, it sounds to me like he... And everything else, but, if I'm him uh, and I'm in, I'm in Madison, I'm thinking I got away. I, what, made him, what made him come back? I mean, uh, I can't even... What's your what's your read of this uh, Boris Johnson thing? Is it going to affect markets? <laughs> going to affect anything? I mean, well, things things finally caught up with Boris. I yeah. guess. I mean, he's had some squeaks in, in his life. Where I mean, he's just, I guess he's a survivor. You can call him that because he had a you know a past that would have disqualified most people from this position. Where he took on everybody when he was a journalist and you know didn't hold back, and yet he survived the, the brickbats that most you know politicians trying to start a career could never have survived. Um, but, you know, it's it's really a clear case of somebody, you know, who's, who's done everything possible to infuriate everybody. Um, so it, it had to happen, but I, I, I figured it would happen sometime this year. I wasn't sure just when, because he was losing support by the minute. What, um, I don't know if you've watched uh, the stuff going on with the, with the uh, market uh, lately, but all of a sudden this week the tone change um, really in, in a lot of the... Uh, uh, you know what, what's going on with uh, uh, the uh, the inflation and all this other kind of stuff. The, the, and now you see, the, let's say the, the the talk, the chalk, the talk, and the talking heads is that all of a sudden, because of what's happening in the uh, uh, you know oil coming down and this other stuff, that we're not going to have to worry about. Uh, uh, you know, and, and if the inflation is going to melt on its own because it was never caused by the Fed in the first place. It was all just this ancillary stuff, and now it's coming down. And if the Fed was supposed to put uh, uh, take what twenty five, thirty five billion out of the balance sheet in the last month, they didn't take any out. So I think what people are are uh, are thinking now that the Fed is is going to not do any of this, and that last month is so. They're they're back to and all. You know, some people even saying the next Fed move might be a, you know, might be a cut or something along those lines. And now this has become the vernacular that everything they was worried about. You know, when you say worried about uh, going back to, to normal money money stuff, because I just got they just if you go to the regular one you normally go to. The reason why I'm kind of stumbling here is because if you go to the regular Federal Reserve balance sheet, they still haven't published the one from last week. But if you go to the St. Louis Fed, they have. So if you go back to the b- beginning of uh, June 1st, we're at $8,915,000,000. And it actually went up for a while and it ducked down last week. So now we're down, we're down to 8900000000000 So they actually took $2 billion out of the 35 they're supposed to. So they didn't do anything. That, they really didn't do anything they said. And you can sort of tell the last week now, in the last five or six days, the market is... You're starting to feel that there's some money behind it. I mean, you can just tell by looking at it. And, again, and you had the bonds, which were flying way down. You had, you had 10-year rates almost 4%. They're now back in the 2.5 number, which is a huge change. I mean, 2.9, sorry. But still, that's a huge change f- from uh, a place is supposed to be going the other direction. And I and I really do believe, John, that they will, I, you know, the policy, I, I get where they're at. They put themselves in absolutely the corner of the room, painting the floor, and they can't get out. Uh, but right now, they're just going to they're just going to lie to people, and I think they're they're really concerned with the rates going up and the federal government having to pay more in terms of. And I don't think they want any part of, of the stock market being another twenty percent down by election. Right. I think I think they're taking their cues from you know what's been happening this week, which is to me it's got an eerie feel to it, where everything is sort of in a normal range, up, up or down. 
you don't, you're not getting these gigantic swings. Like no. We have been for, you know, how many, how many well, weeks? We have, we have, oh, we, we have in, intraday. Uh, the, oh, yeah. Intraday. I mean, we're, we're already Thursday, yeah, Tuesday. We had a 400-point four move in the NASDAQ in the middle of the day. That's, that's massive. No, you're talking four or four and a half percent from up to bottom. That's, that's a big number. I mean, that, that's, that's not usual. No, and you can't, I don't think the Fed should be taking any comfort from that. Well, no, but I mean, you saw, you saw a massive turnaround, really uh, Tuesday morning. I think it was Tuesday morning, and the and the, the stocks had been absolutely getting beaten up on. I mean, your Nvidia's got down to like you know one forty one, other back up to one fifty three. Amazon was in danger of going under hundred, and now it's one fourteen. I mean, to a certain extent, from where they all came from, there's somewhat of a dead cat bounce, but there's still a bounce. I mean, we're, yep. it has it has. Now it, we've been we've been beaten up on the energy stacks. And they've been getting clobbered, uh, and, and every if you can't listen for a half hour on CNBC or Fox without somebody saying buying the bank stacks, and yet they go down every day. I mean, I don't know what the story is with those guys. They're down like twenty five percent from their highs. So I mean, there's there's still real pain, and and, and it's, I'm all, I'm really wondering constantly what's going on with this the crypto world because. Even though Bitcoin's hanging above uh, twenty thousand, it seems like every other day there's a bankruptcy in one of the smaller ones, or in one of the funds, or somebody. So, I mean, it's there's still, uh, you know, drums along the Mohawk, as they say. But uh, it appears we, the Fed is backstopping a little bit, or at least they're not draining like they said they were going to. And I don't, I don't, you know what? I don't think anybody, people now have gotten to this idea that we're supposed to be one and a half percent, you know, one percent interest rates. The, the real people get to get money for free. We have this inflation going on, whether we decide to admit it or not, and we get to borrow money under the inflation rate and buy assets from other people that can't do that. And I, I tell you what, I'm the more I keep every day now, I'm, I'm studying more about what Hal's talking about. And now I got Russell uh, infected as well. This I, I never thought of that, John. It's it is scary. The the, the change in in uh, wealth. Since this inflation, I'll say since 2008 dramatically, since this has started, we've never seen anything like this in terms of wealth going from one place to another. No, and even the, the inflation numbers themselves, I don't think you can compare realistically to that in the 80s. I just think it's a different base. It's got so much else that, that makes it a, a different kind of experience. I think this is much worse than, than what we've seen in the 80s. I don't, I don't, I think in, in, in what way? We've been down this road before. I don't think we have. In what, in what way? I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to list about three ways. But what, do you, what in what way are you thinking? Well, I just think just in terms of, of the dollar's value and percentages of the of the dollar value that you were spending for stuff then compared to what you're spending now. Now everything is you know already by a factor of how much way beyond 1980. So that when you it with these interest rates, the numbers do not equate really at all with what we were seeing in the 80s. Okay, but now when, we, when you say if you went on national TV, and your and your Abraham Lincoln look, <laughs> uh, you, if you were to say that the first thing somebody's going to say, what are you talking about, Flanny? The dollar is is almost at record highs, well not record, but damn near record highs against the the pound and the euro. It's been strengthening every day. It's it's going to hurt some of these companies. It's burying the gold market. Uh, they're going to they're going to say the dollar versus other currencies. Right, and what you and mean? Which is what Biden uh, is saying too. Yeah. You know, our inflation isn't you know, as bad as elsewhere, which isn't, doesn't give a lot of comfort. <laughs> yeah, but, but what you're saying is 
the dollar's a good like any other, and compared to gasoline, houses, underwear, and everything else, it's dropping in value. Right. I mean, compared to what you could buy with a dollar in 1980 and what the inflation of that dollar meant in terms of you know, your ultimate price at the cashier, is it's a very different thing from what it is now. I mean, so many things are out of reach before you add inflation to it for people, whether it's, it's health care or education or you name it. Gasoline, but you know, it, it isn't. It isn't like well, you just if you inflate this dollar, it means here's here's what's going to affect consumption or whatever else. No, it's it's already been so skewed since then that we're dealing with a different animal. But I'm going to say, Jan, you unfortunately for how many years of your life have been stuck <laughs> talking to me and <laughs> what I could have done worse? Yeah, <laughs> what what, per, what percentage of the population when when they go and and they see the gas prices going up says. Wow, the, the the value of my dollar in my pocket just went down. Nobody says that. Nobody says that, and we're, we're told that to think. Yeah, that. we're not told to think that way, and yet that's really the truth. It's like you had a hole in your pocket, and you don't want to yeah. admit it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, so that's so. W- once you have that sort of mentality, you don't you don't hear that on any of the financial news. You don't hear that anywhere. Man, and you won't. Tell and you won't believe me. That's too simple, and it's too too horrifying for people. Well, that's right, and and, and that's. Really, the reason, other than the fact that I think they did a horrible job with it, that's really the reason why you have cryptocurrencies. They're not doing a very good job. There's not a very good one. I'd like to actually design a good one that actually has something behind it. The reason why people, they're, they're nervous as hell about their value of the dollar and the pound and the yen and the, and the rest of that stuff. I mean, they, 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 because they, they, they sense something's wrong. You know, the million dollars that I spent my whole life to put in a bank is my only retirement. The end of this year is going to be worth 900. The next year is going to be worth 810 or whatever. Right? People people may not be able to define it, but they're not idiots. Right, and it's a natural response, really. Yeah. I mean, if, if it were, you know, coins or rare stamps or baseball cards or something else, it, you know, if, if, if you could keep you know, if you could invent something like that and just slap a name on it, which is kind of what cryptocurrency, I think, largely is. It's an invention. It's, it's at some level even a fiction, maybe. But it's it's an attempt to get around the fact that we've got this, you know, commodity, this this dollar that keeps diminishing in value. And, well, when you're desperate, you, you create something that you hope you can have a little more control over its value. But if you're going to design that, and, and your 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 issue is... I mean, this is me talking against cryptos here, but if your issue is there's less and less behind the U.S. dollar, okay, which is, I'm going to say it's very true. If you look at gold, you look at silver, you look at anything else, you can't argue with that statement, right? It still has the full faith and credit of the government, blah, blah, blah. you got armies, you got bridges, you got something there. It It, it is declining, correct? Yep. So if you were going to uh, come up with something to compete with that, why would you design something that has no value? You'd find some, you, the idea, if you're concerned about your currency having less and less value, you want to invent something that has a finite value to compete against it. If that's the hole in the dollar, right? So, but to come up with something that has no value whatsoever, how, do, how does that compete with it? You'd, I'd still rather have a dollar. It's than, than a desperate move. It's like the dot bomb phenomenon. Um, 
well, you know, it, it looks good from a theoretical standpoint, and it, you know, maybe it's got some value temporarily, and maybe it goes up and down, and it can be manipulated as as a currency can, and so on. But ultimately, there's no in- intrinsic value, and when you don't have intrinsic value, you don't have any kind of a, a floor or a basement for any of this stuff. And it, it could be well, it, <laughs> it would be become s- such a liability to, to hold on to this stuff. Well, it would be worse s- than having currency. Well, it would be sloppy as hell, Jan. But I, c- I could certainly see. Uh, boy, I could go through the machinations of it. I could certainly see somebody uh, with a satellite, a lot of people with satellites, you know, seeing some huge mountain someplace in, in Texas or some damn place, buying the mountain and then telling everybody, look, this thing has eight centuries of rare earth materials in it. Or we just photographed an oil field in Saudi Arabia they didn't even know they had, or some other place. This thing's got about a billion gallons of oil in their barrels. And I'll tell you what, our new currency is going to be shares of that mountain or that oil field, and we're going to issue, and, and, and you get, you know, one one billionth of the, of the profit going forward or something. Or if you just said, a, 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 we won't call it a dollar, we'll call it a Flanagan. One Flanagan is equal to a cup of oil or something. If, if, whatever it is, if, if you did that right now, it made it, you know, we put a nice computer system, a blockchain, whatever Kevin loves. If you did that worldwide, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I'm not. I'm not so sure that wouldn't. That it would, what it would do is it force these central banks to shape up, probably. Yeah. But but yeah. right now, I mean, just just inventing something and having a thing trade around, trade like an artificial stock. I don't see what that does. It, it, well, it's it, because it's a fiction. It makes other maybe equally ludicrous things like tulips or Beanie Babies or you know cut rocks or anything else you, you could fabricate and and sell and people could hold it in their hands and look at it that looks you know better <laughs> by comparison although it has no real intrinsic what do you value mean at least i got the tulip either other than what people want to in, put in it what they invest in it emotionally or you know with their memories who knows but it there is something there and, and yet i don't see bitcoin as, or any cryptocurrency as much different from that i can plant the tulip People still have those things. At the time, I thought, okay, we've, this, this is the limit. You know, these things are, are so valuable. You know, everybody should, I'll be buying Beanie Babies instead of beer. I don't know. Maybe just fill my house with Beanie Babies. Maddie, did any of you people, any of any your gang, ever get into this stuff like Barbies and stuff? Oh, uh, thank God, no. no. My, my parents were, kept, were pretty level-headed when it came to the gifts. We, yeah. We got. My, my, my sister had a passing interest in it, you know. And she got pitiful pearl dolls and things that were considered, you know, like going against the grain of the, the fashion model stuff. But overall, you know, we, we didn't get suckered into that. Or the boys' toys. Either. I know. It's we one, made, like, good, good down-home stuff. There's one lady working. I had baseball cards. That was I had My brother had baseball cards. I, we, I had coin collection. I had a model car collection, you oh, know, yeah. all this stuff, you know. Stuff I just w- wasted way too much time and glue sniffing on, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, put, <laughs> put, put together one of those, those the really neat airplanes while you need, like, three oh, tools. Yeah, I, I just, some of them I, I do really treasure, and I may have one or two of them still in the basement. <laughs> Do they still well, sell because I labored over them. You paint them and everything else. And, Did they still and move out of the next one? It's like a jigsaw puzzle or something. They still sell that glue. Okay, I, I, I doubt it. Uh, that was that's a mean. <laughs> Man, if, if you if you, I'm going to say the only the only comparison is somebody who had been a glue sniffer 
And you can, you can smoke all the dope you want, and if you lay off it, you're you know you're you're, you're <laughs> fine. Those guys, they, they were like they were on uh, crystal meth. I mean, they, oh yeah, they, I mean, they, yeah. They, they, I don't know what they killed upstairs. But it was, they were in bad bad shape. The uh, anyway, SP futures up twelve. Nasdaq futures up forty six. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Hello, everyone. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom. I'm Mr. on the board. SP Futures up 12 now. NZ Futures up 37. So we're still up. We've leaked back down a little bit, but we're still up after a couple of pretty good days in a row after being down a couple of days and then finishing up. So it looks like the momentum is starting to be to the upside here a little bit, at least for the last few days. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really feel like a bear market rally. It feels like it might actually carry a little while, but who knows if I'll be right on that. We're in Europe. We've got the DAX up 224, 1.8. Puts you up 82, 1.2. CAC around up 92, 1.6. Everybody likes the day in Europe. Maybe they like the fact that Boris Johnson quit. I don't know what the story is with that. Uh, kneecap 382, 1.5%. Shanghai up 9. 
0.3%. Hang Seng with a little bit of a bounce back over the last few days, but up 56.2%, but still mired in his middle 21,000, which is still down like 30% from their, their highs of a couple of years ago. Uh, yesterday, we were up 69 in the Dow, up 13 in the S&P, up 39 in the NASDAQ. So not much, but we have been down and finished up. Uh, bonds, up five basis points to 2.95, trying to at least get back over three, a long way from four. Uh, Bund up nine basis points, 1.29. They topped out about 1.68, I'm going to say two weeks ago, two to three weeks ago. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.25. Uh, UK up five basis points, 2.14. Oil up a dollar for now, 99.57, but still shy of 100. Brent up 82 cents, 101.51. Natural gas up 13 cents, 5.64. Arbob up 3 cents, 3.26. We've got gold trying to make a little bit of a comeback. We're talking about a dead cat bounce. Up 3.40, 17.39. Silver up a dime, 19.26. Copper up 15 cents, 3.56. Some of these copper stocks have gotten annihilated. Uh, F- uh, FCX, Freeport, Macklin, those kinds of things. I've been down a lot. A platinum of twenty-three bucks to eight third eight sixty-three, and we have Bitcoin hanging in there, up forty bucks, very quiet, twenty thousand three eighty. Maddie, we got for us traffic, weather, sports. Thirty-five minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we're off to a pretty good start here on a Thursday morning. Uh, traffic building on the Edens and Kennedy, but no accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower. We had an earlier crash at First Avenue, but that's all clear. Stevenson, traffic building, but no accidents to report there either. Ryan, I-57, and the Bishop Ford are looking good, as they have all morning. Off the expressways, there's a crash on Ashland, the southbound side of Ashland Avenue, right as you would be getting onto I-290. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, Van Buren Congress there and Ashland. That has uh, Ashland down to one lane on the southbound side, which is causing a backup. So if you usually take Ashland to get onto the expressway, uh, you may want to try a, a different uh, way because it's moving very slowly right now. Also off the expressways, there's a crash Milwaukee Avenue at West Hearts Road. And then just north of that, there's a crash on Dempster at Waukegan Road. Uh, but everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, uh, partly cloudy skies, a high of 80 degrees. Right now it is mostly cloudy and 74, although the sun is peeking out a little bit downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 107. Right now it's clear and 82. In sports, the White Sox uh, with a big win yesterday, beating the Twins 9-8 in 10 innings. Sox are 5.5 back in Minnesota, but just 3 back in the loss column after losing 2-3 of three, uh, this week. Cubs have won 4 series in a row and 5 of their last 6 series, including beating some really good teams. The Red Sox, the Cardinals, the Brewers and the Braves, uh, some playoff teams there, as they beat Milwaukee two to one yesterday up north. Diamondbacks lost to the Giants seven to five. Chief, Man, here's one thing I don't ever want to read about you because I think now that we've trained you, I assume you're going to be a president of some company someday, or CEO, or something, or a senator. UK Prime Minister Johnson resigns. FTSE and, and, and British Pound both gain as he resigns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear Betty, Betty Weber. I'll, I'll be, hopefully, I'll be upstairs in, in heaven. I want to hear Betty, Betty Weber leaves stock stock up, stock doubles. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see that a real life? That's hey. not the legacy you want to leave. No, no I, I, I have higher hopes for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> stock celebrates. Uh, real quick, uh, the the uh, one of the, the collectibles thing. One of the ladies who uh, she only worked for Doctor J. She might still nice lady. She and her hubby went somewhere on it, and she was not a collector at all. And all of a sudden, I get this email, and she goes, I had to buy it. I go, what? She goes, I was somewhere. What's what's the name of that 
there's a few of them on the highways. They get the, the, the big, disgusting, you know, huge breakfast. They're delicious. And uh, oh, c- Cracker Barrel. Yeah, the Cracker Barrel. I think she was in there. She saw Biker Barbie and Ken, and she had to buy it. She goes. <laughs> Evidently, I don't know how many were made. They were an instant phenom, and she kind of heard about it on the radio, driving along, and all of a sudden she goes into this place, and there it is, sitting on the shelf, saying, I had to buy it. So she got Biker Barbie. <laughs> I can it's see like you at Biker Santa blow up to see yeah. in my neighborhood. I, yeah. <laughs> I can see you at Biker Barbie. I don't, <laughs> I don't think Jill was ever much for biker guys either. I mean, Audrey, I think, actually, she watched that, what was that stupid show where the. Uh, uh, they were the biker gang in California. Boy, she and her friends couldn't stop watching that thing. It was on HBO. Tell us the name of it. Sons uh, of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Man, oh man, that was it. a lot of ladies like watching that thing. I, I thought it was ridiculous, but that, that's just me. But any anywho, um, let me throw off. Yeah, it was something. But uh, <laughs> anyway, they, they liked the one guy. That was for sure. Um, Jan, what uh, do you think? This kind of a the political, him not being there is just going to. By the way, this guy, he's, he was there for how many years? Did he ever comb his hair once? No, and that's part of the shtick, you know. I think he's, he's it's not only like a Carnaby Street, you know, redo after the Beatles or something. I mean, that 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 was the sort of look that even the, the Beatles would have thought was a little out there. Yeah. <laughs> if my uncle was still alive, he'd say, "What'd you do? Walk walk to work behind a Learjet?" I mean, but <laughs> <laughs> um, is this? The the unity that we seem to have, and I think uh, a lot of people give Biden a lot of heat, uh, and I do too about a lot of stuff. But one of the things I thought he's put together somewhat. I don't. They've they. I think they've really messed up these sanctions things uh, with Russia because they actually I think Russia's doing way better now than they were before in terms of money coming into the place. And that's not the result you want. Um, but I thought Biden did a pretty good job at essentially gathering the people back together that Trump sort of pissed off. you think Johnson not being out of that or now being out of that loop, was he, was he a key member of that, you think? Is he is he a, a, a really key member of the G7 or the next guy going to be just as good or next lady? I mean, is he... Was he a single, kind of, you know, I think time will, will tell. I mean, I, I think it, he has sort of the, the self-styling of being a, a maverick. Uh, and I think that that made him appealing after the, the run of the previous prime ministers. Um, the, the Brexit, you know, thing kind of was the, the death knell in a way, though. That I don't think anybody in you know, it, whether in the UK or here, really understood the significance of that. Um, but their their frustration and you know just disgust with the way things had panned out was far worse than I think anybody in the in the public stage was w- willing to admit. And I think Johnson, you know, you know, his predecessor was completely thrown by that. And Johnson never got in step, I don't think, with the, the tempo of the country. And you just, he was compounding it over and over again with what I thought incredibly ill-informed decisions and stupid, like, management of his image, as if he didn't care or the people around him didn't care or he thought he was, you know, above it all or something. I just didn't understand what what he was trying to do because uh, the, the country really I mean, it's, it's, it's angrier now probably than it ever was and it, it, it's not just the UK other U- European nations are pretty much in the same boat they have, they've sort of risen up against you know their powers and disgust you can see it in France you can 
could see it in the Netherlands, you could see it in Germany. And um, I think the UK was, was kind of like the pilot for, for some of this. And I, I think it shows that really the, the institutions in government weren't really ready for it. And they, they didn't really have a, a, a good way of responding to it other than kind of you know, trying to reverse it or trying to pretend it hadn't happened. And you, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. And um, it, 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 the, the Brexit thing, I think, really foretold the, the rise of Trump in 2016, although nobody really wanted to think that. But it, but it was linked. It was very much the same kind of phenomenon. Well, and it hasn't finished playing out yet. I think it's now taken down Johnson. And I don't know, who, who, you know what the successor will be or what kind of compromise candidate they will get, but it will be interesting to see how that goes down. I suspect it, it, it won't fix what's, what's wrong right now, though. I think it's a, this is, boy, it's a gross generalization, but I'm, I think it's pretty darn accurate. This was fairly similar to the time that, that Trump won, correct? Yeah. And, uh, you saw a, a movie, if anybody hasn't seen it, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. There's a Michael Moore, and of course all the people on the right are going, I don't like Michael Moore. He, he, he had a, a uh, tape, what was it, three, four minutes, about why Trump was going to win. And it was so spot on, Jan. I mean, it was absolutely spot on. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I you know, have... They haven't had much use from Michael Moore for quite some time, but he was spot on. I mean, he, he had a, he he was saying what everybody else was either too afraid or too uh, disbelieving to say, and he said it. You know, well, you might right. I mean, you might disagree with the man on a lot of things, and I and I have as well. But I'll tell you what: some of the stuff when we decided to uh, go into uh, where the hell were we going? Was uh, was it the second Iraq War somewhere along the line? Might have been the I think so. Yeah, where he where he was when the senators and representatives were walking in, and he was. He was trying to get him to sign a petition to send the senator and, and, and representatives' kids first, <laughs> and, nobody, and nobody would sign it. <laughs> you know, I a little of that goes a long way, but political satire sometimes is very accurate. And uh, but we we had a, a couple things about that Brexit thing, and uh, and you see it here today, uh, John, and and you see it in in people fighting for who can vote, who can't vote. I don't. I think gen- in general. A lot of the politicians, once they get in there, I mean, not not the people that I think the people who are elected to or at least run for the House of Representatives here. You can't be a Keith Peacock, you can't be a Karen Reeves without getting out and and finding out what people are, are going through. I mean, the House of Representatives, I think, really does work on its basic level because you. But then somehow along the line, you get in there and only a few people have power. Now I don't know if it's internal rules or what it is, but. We've talked about that forever, but I mean, Michael Moore was right that Trump was going to do better than anybody thought. Plus, I don't think anybody, certainly not her, with her ego, had any kind of a depth of uh, knowledge of how the dislike of Hillary was. I mean, I've, I've been a, you know, now I'm in the middle, but I'm going to vote for one of each side, it doesn't matter. I was a lifelong Democrat. I wouldn't vote for that lady if she's the only person in the way. And, and, and the idea, I mean, I've been in my business forever, and I the thought of me putting a trade of that belongs to somebody else in my account, man, I couldn't. I was twenty years in the trading floor. Not only is it wrong if you did that once, you should be banned from the industry forever. And she had that uh, futures firm that was giving her to winners and somebody else to losers. And I'm like, first of all, how are they still in business, and how is she still in politics? In my mind, so I, I'm saying. But it, the fascinating thing about this Brexit. Is two, actually is leading to a question, John. Too long on that, but 
our buddy Robert, um, he went over to London. He works works for the Fed, and they had a big conference in London. And he always wanted to see uh, was it is it Trafalgar's uh, Nelson ship? statue in Trafalgar Square. What well, the, the ship that's still in the water down south of it? You got to go down to Dover. Not Dover. Oh. You go south. Uh, anyway, he, he took the train south to wherever the. The harbor is at the mouth of the Thames. Anyway, yeah. one of the one of these old ships is down there, and he wanted to go see it, which is what Robert does, and that's why he's so great to talk to. He's taking a train down. He goes in London. Everybody said this Brexit thing had no chance. Everybody said the minute I left the city limits, there wasn't anybody <laughs> was voting for Brexit. He goes, they didn't realize at all what how their population actually felt about all this crap coming from Europe. It, That's exactly right, Tom. I mean, it's, it's comparable to the to the Washington bubble, and it's a bigger bubble just because there's you know there's global finance, and, you know, trade and everything else that Washington doesn't really have. Although they're, they're both you know guilty of the same kind of insularity here. But but yeah, if, if you just you know to take a straw poll on, on the streets of Washington or the streets of London, whatever about whether it be Trump or whether Brexit will succeed or. You're absolutely right, and Robert's exactly right too. There's this disconnect. How how could they be so stupid? How could they see things so differently from the way we do? Because we know what we're talking about. We we we're at the heart of things. We we decide, and we we have always done what makes this country tick. And it's just not going to happen. How, don't even think it's going to happen. Well, well, boy, I mean, it was the biggest slapdown in the UK probably ever experienced. But but people outside of London knew it all along. And no, you couldn't get anybody in the media who would really sign on to that. And that's that's why I do give Michael Moore credit here for saying what everybody else just thought was unthinkable. Manny, do you remember? I'm sure you do. We don't. You never forget a guest. Uh, the dude that uh, Kathy got on from the what was he from Finland? And he was in the uh, what's what's the uh, the European the European Parliament? Where they they're in what Brussels? Yeah. Well, this guy was from. Remember that guy, uh, Manny? I do. Yeah. And it, was he was was he the most pompous ass we've ever had in the show? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, he was. And, and, I, and I asked him. It was right after Brexit because Kathy got him, and how she got Kathy got great guests. And uh, the dude goes, "Yeah, well, we're like pissed off with these English politicians. They just didn't explain things correctly to their population." I'm like, "Really, <laughs> really? I, we're, I'm looking for politicians to explain things to me. I'm the one who put them there. Is, I mean, he, he obviously was totally unclear on the concept. But the uh, and, and what did Lou say that they they just came down with a uh, uh, some sort of a a rule the week before the the vote vote changing how the people made tea or something? <laughs> the, the, yeah. Brits, the Brits really were pissed off. <laughs> Tom, I can see you know there's real parallels with the way the, the, this federation idea in the shaping of the EU and the power it has over its, its member states. And it, it's just completely capricious and arbitrarily exercised power that, that reminds me of what's really gone wrong in this country, too. This, you know, the, the client states, you know, the, the 50 United States, are pretty much in the same position as the nation members of the EU have become w- with a government that does not at all you know, truck with this, this individual viewpoints it wants to order this, wants to mandate this, wants to you know, nickel and dime you out of existence, and decides every little minuscule thing. Um, and, and there's a rebellion here, because you got, now you have the blue and the red state divide, that is somewhat intractable. I mean, it may shift somewhat, but it's likely to get 
deeper red and deeper blue over time. And the same thing is, is happening with the EU. It, 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 maybe it shows that these federated or attempts at federation have all kind of drifted in the wrong direction and are likely to implode before they kind of get back to reality. It's a really good piece. I didn't send it around to people on the show yet, but I'll see if I can find it again. It was by Jeffrey Tucker um, from the Brownstone Institute, which is like an outgrowth of the Great Barrington Declaration. It's a think tank. He wrote this piece about how elections don't matter anymore. That was the title of it, I think, in the Epic Times. I had to, I had to read the article with that title. But his whole point was, was like what Lou was talking about earlier today, that these administrative you know, entities like the EPA and the recent slaps on by the Supreme Court or OSHA or the National Institutes of Health, you know, CDC, you name it, that have, have infiltrated their way into every corner of life in, in the United States such that you can't get permits to do anything without this layer of federal administrative governance. Um, it's, it's worn people out, it's, it's hurt productivity, it's demoralized people at the local level, and it survives all elections, which is was what Tucker points out in the, in the piece, that it doesn't matter who's, what party is in office or who controls Congress or who's on the Supreme Court or anything else, because these agencies have such a, a horrible inertia that, that they're bipartisan, miserable to everybody. And you can't fire the people. You can't change their missions. You, 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 maybe you can have hearings and expose their stupidity, but they keep going and going and going. And it's kind of like you know the worst case scenario of what the EU has experienced because they've got the same kind of mess there. And it's you know the, the news from Brussels today is this, and everybody's supposed to march in tune to it. And I can't imagine too many countries going along with that, given their their histories. But it's what the, the people here expected to do with this administrative machinery that we've just fed and made impossible to control. I'm going to so, say, Jan. You know, it's kind of a wake-up call that maybe elections don't matter. It doesn't matter who's in there until you dismantle this other nut stuff at the top. I yeah. just tweeted the article out. It's it's called Elections Won't Fix This. Thank, by, thank you. Yep, thank you, by Jeffrey Tucker, written uh, last, week, or gonna, last month. I'm going to throw both of you gentlemen a little bit of a curveball there. Because I, I, I mean, Wayne got me started years ago, but I don't think I'm quite there where he is. If you follow the money, Jan, and I'm, and I'm getting more and more into this, this, the worst the worst example of this that I know of, and I'm sure there's plenty more, is the baby food crap uh, formula. The, the, well, well, formula, yeah. And uh, the uh, four companies, the government buying over fifty percent of the stuff, and if you they're only gonna, they're only going to buy it from one company per state. That's it's asinine. It's beyond stupidity. It's asinine. And yet, I, mean, I think what, what you might be considered this. I'm not going to say you're missing it, but consider this. In my industry, it's very obvious to me that the the big people control the regulators. That they don't want a PTI securities anymore. We're a pain in the ass, and the big people don't want us competing with them. And it's and you can see it every year. There's there's rules that make it harder and harder for us to. Do what we do to manage money through a bigger firm. You know, they, they, if I want to manage somebody's money at Charles Schwab, they want me to be a Charles Schwab only uh, money manager, which I don't want to be. So, I mean, one of these days, you know, hopefully it won't be for a while. I mean, I think we're going to be here for quite a while, but I mean, someday there won't be a PTI and they'll be happy. So, I think what's happening is, th- I think the real power in the country is not in the White House. It's with these various and sundry firms, and they are controlling the regulators. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get the Illinois Commerce Commission 
to really spank ComEd because ComEd controls them. They're there every day. And you, you're going to put Mike Madigan in jail for taking bribes from Commonwealth Edison. Commonwealth Edison's not even going to get fined. They're not. They're not even going to be part of the, of the of the court case. I mean, I, I think what's happening. I think you're absolutely right in what you're seeing, but I think the derivative of it is 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 the the oil companies control the FDA or whatever. The, uh, unless when it comes to stuff like tone changes and you know the Democratic group for a while not getting the government, you'll, you'll see some of that. But by and large, they're not they're not putting those guys out of business. They're not putting the bank. The banks have gotten stronger and stronger under the current Fed for the last thirty years, right? Every time oh, they screw up, they get more and more money. See, so, so you, I mean, who who does? I mean, it's it's Citigroup is controlling these people, or not so much Citigroup, but certainly the other guys of uh, uh, Jamie Dimon's group. I don't think they like Citigroup all that much, but they're controlling the place. New York Stock Exchange controlled the SEC for a while. Now it's the big member firms. You know, it's, it's Goldman, it's Schwab, it's Fidelity. The, the, the five firms they care about control the place. The other guys, there's some hangers on, there's some pretty good-sized other guys. There's Wedbush, there's a few other people, but RBC is a, is a decent clearing place, IB. But they're, they're, they're short-timers. They're somewhat of a competitive fringe. But the, I'm saying the, the, the power and the regulation are the people they regulate, and they, and they don't treat them all the same. But you're, what would Commonwealth Edison have to do to lose their license? They could, they could assassinate people that wouldn't make any difference. Well, I wouldn't be so sure they haven't. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, don't quote me on that. But don't, but I'm saying but, the idea yeah, that... I'm with you, Tom. And you know, the thing is, and uh, the, the, the thing about that Tucker piece, he doesn't you know, pull the curtain back far enough, maybe, to show exactly how these administrative organizations have become so immune to political changes or you know, grassroots efforts to you know, get competing viewpoints on the table. It's because of the process of getting these people to run these things. It, the industries that are controlled by these administrative agencies have decided who's going to plead for us yeah. at the federal level, and you've got the, the people in Congress confirming them who are also controlled by those entities. So they've been assured of the votes of enough people to get some schlub to do what business A or cartel A wants done, and it's going to happen, and you, there's never going to be any you know, viable way of getting rid of those people unless you just completely dismantle the thing. And you know, dismantling it is, is maybe the, the, the only thing that can, can attempt to fix this, but how can you dismantle something that you've got so many ways built into it where it can't be dismantled without dismantling well, you know, BlackRock or yeah. Vanguard or whatever else? Well, look at the, the, uh, what happened to Arthur Anderson. And you know, oh for me being a being the suspicious uh, whatever I am now, um, and, I, and I was I was on the trading floor and I used to see some member firms. I mean, I never did it, but I, I saw some member firms that would do stuff that was against the rules. But because they were so big, we we couldn't do anything because they would they would tell you if you don't let us do it here, we're going to do it in the Amex. This is after the, the how how. The, the competition got to be those that would, would actually pursue the rules versus the other guy. That became part of the competitive process, which it never should be, right? I'm not, I'm not saying this was for a, regular, for a regular person, for a PTI client, it was fine, but it was the big firms that were wanted, wanted to take both, side, you know, both sides of the order. And they'd, they'd quote a price, and if somebody wanted to do the price better, 
they didn't want to do it better because they wanted the other side. But, but where I'm going with this, Dan, is the SEC, the, the CBOE, the MX, they all were regulators. FINRA, well, FINRA, well, FINRA at the time was at NASDAQ. They're regulators. And what the regulators, to a certain extent, do, to a large extent, is insulate the, 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 the thieves from the Justice Department. And the, your, your, your big, well, at that time it was a big eight accounting firms. Now there's what, six or something? They were, I won't say dumb or stupid. I will say they were so short-sighted, they never wanted a regulator. Right? They never had one. There was never a a, a, a SEC for accounting firms. Was there? I don't think there oh, ever was. Nope. And so, all of a sudden, they get this Arthur Anderson case, and it ends up in court. Without without a buffer. Without, without the, the uh, whatever, Accountants and Exchange Commission in the middle. And I can tell you, if we gave somebody, uh, if we would have gone after some of these people, and not saying nobody was ever caught, if somebody did something, I mean, if you're doing a, a, a spread a thousand times, and you say, I'm not going to do it at three, so I'm going to put it up in a half, and I'm willing to give 500 to you, Mucks, and we're taking the other 500, well, what's 1250 times a thousand? 12,500, 12, right? Well, okay, that's a felony. But it would be a uh, $50 fine without admitting or denying guilt. But the but the Arthur Anderson actually ended up in court and got convicted of a felony on something that would have been a thousand dollar fine, and without admitting or denying anything, if they were at a regulator, right? Right. So, anyway, John, thank you very much. SP Futures up seventeen. Nasdaq Futures up forty eight. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.